0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 17th of May 2015, entitled, Do Missions Really Matter? And the Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 16, verses 9 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's most precious and holy word, Again, beginning in Mark chapter 16 and verse 9, the Word of God says Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. She went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, "'Go ye into all the world "'and preach the gospel to every creature. "'He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, "'but he that believeth not shall be damned. "'These signs shall follow them that believe. "'My name shall they cast out devils, "'they shall speak with new tongues.' They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Father we thank you again for your word that we have before us. Your word that has been preserved for us, that we can have it here this day in this place that has been set aside for you. Father, we pray now that as we look into your word in these next moments, please, Lord, speak to our hearts. Help any distractions that might be to be taken away. Help our minds and hearts to focus upon that which you have for us. Lord, you know the need of each heart today. We pray that those needs would be met through you, by you, for your glory. In Christ's name alone we pray, amen and amen. As we approach once again the time of year that we set aside every year for what we call our annual missions conference, Sunday a week, we'll be actually finishing that uh, uh, that conference on the Lord's Day as we begin on the Thursday of that week. So I want to direct your attention and I want to ask you a simple question this morning because you see, I certainly have, uh, have heard a lot of questions and statements over the years. Things like, well, you know, you really ought not to be going and messing with those people. <laughs> They're happy the way they are. We'd be better off to focus upon our needs here and not to worry about them. Things like that you focus too much upon missions. We really ought to be focused more upon uh, our own needs here. Many people, I have been asked the question even uh, in the years that I've been here at Bethel. Do we really need to have such a focus on missions? Do we need those missions reports read in all of those services? Do we need to have missions conferences every year? Well, I hope that we can answer some of those questions this morning as I simply ask a question and hope that we can answer it. Do missions really matter? All these missionaries that we support, the money that we send to them all around the world, the portion of our tithes that we use, the love offerings that we give, the faith promise that we promise, these mission reports and mission letters, all this missions information at the back of our church, this missions conference that we have every year, all the efforts that go into supporting missionaries and keeping them before our church. Is it really necessary? Is it really important? The missions trips. Recently, the trips to Kenya and Romania, all the time and the effort and the money that that goes into those, is it really worth spending that money and that time on those things? Our mission efforts at home. The gospel preached over and over and over in our church, the outreach through the open airs and the door-to-door and the nursing homes and all the, the tracks and the literatures that we spend money on, the, the website, all the efforts that go into evangelizing our community, and yes, even as I mentioned earlier, all the money that's paid out for this church minibus that we can bring those children into church and all of this, is that really necessary? Is it really important is it really worth it? Does all of this focus on evangelizing lost souls and missions at home in abroad? does it really matter that much? Well, I want to say to you this morning that no, it doesn't. Not if disobedience to Christ matters not. <laughs> you see, as we look in our passage here, in verse 15, it says, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that verse important? Well, I can tell you that the message of that verse is so important that you'll find it recorded in every one of the gospels recorded in your Bible. In Matthew chapter 28, He says in verse 18, "...and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost." Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, all of these verses coincide in one thing in particular, and that is Jesus' message for us to go. Here in Matthew, we find that the focus there is upon going. That Jesus has all the power of the universe, and that therefore in His name we should go with the gospel, and not only the gospel, but then teaching them to observe all things, discipling and teaching them the Word of God once they are Christians. We find that we'll come back to our reading here in the Gospel of Mark in just a moment. But look what Luke says in Luke chapter 24. And he says, picking up in verse 44, he says, and he, again, Jesus speaking, said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, And in the Psalms concerning me, Jesus said, Every word that God has prophesied in his word about me must be fulfilled. Every word of it. Then it says, Opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. These are those that were walking the closest to him. He said, first of all, everything that's been written about me must be fulfilled. And then he opened their understanding. There's a comma there. Then this doesn't finish. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is what God said. This is what God promised prophesied, this is why That Jesus suffered, this is why He died. This is why He rose again the third day. The sentence doesn't finish. He says, "And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem." In other words, He's saying God had a plan, and God wrote that plan down. And every word that's been written down must be prophesied. And that is why that is Jesus died on the cross, and as He rose again the third day, and That you preach repentance in His name, that all the world might know that they might be saved. It's all part of God's plan. You see, as we look through scriptures, we find Jesus did everything that He did so that you, as a lost person, might be saved, so that you would not have to perish. But it doesn't matter, it makes no difference. That He died on the cross. It makes no difference that He rose the third day. It makes no difference whatsoever if repentance isn't preached in His name. If people never know it, what difference does it make? And of course, we'll look at some other passages concerning that, but I want you to see that when it's recorded here in the same breath, that Jesus is telling them to go and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. It's in the same breath that that is done for the same reason <laughs> that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose the third day. In John chapter 20, verse 21, probably the simplest form of the commission that's given in any of the gospels. Do you know what Jesus said as he was gathered there in that room with him? He said, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. <laughs> in the same way that God the Father has sent me to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost, to <laughs> die on that cross, to rise again the third day, in the same way, with all that great love that we sang about earlier. The same way that God sent me is the same way that I I'm sending you. Then in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, because Jesus did tell them to tarry until they received that power from on high. This is something I'm sending you to do. He said, all power has been given to me, but you need to wait till that power comes to you because it was on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came to indwell every believer that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says in Acts chapter 1, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. What's the next word in your Bible? Both. (laughs) Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He didn't say either, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the part of, both, at the same time. At the same time in Jerusalem, at the same time in Judea, at the same time in Samaria, at the same time to the uttermost parts. In other words, at the same time in Birmingham, at the same time in England, in the United Kingdom, in Europe, to the uttermost parts of the earth, all at the same time, you are to be witnesses for me. Now, I don't need to spend a lot of time there. I'm simply saying to you, does missions really matter? Well, no. Not if disobedience to Christ doesn't matter to you. Because you cannot deny. Jesus' message was, go. I've come and done everything that I've done. But in order for this to accomplish the work that I've come to accomplish, you must go. And we've looked at the passage many times. In John 14, 15, it's not hard to understand. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Does missions really matter? Well, no. Not if disobedience to Christ matters not, which means in essence, not if you really don't love him. Because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. James put it this way in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. In other words, you can know it all, you can know this book from cover to cover. And you can convince yourself what a good, godly, fine, upstanding young Christian that you really are. But he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving you. If you're only hearing it and not doing it, then you're just deceiving yourself because it's not doing you any good. He says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, (laughs) he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. (laughs) Like looking at yourself in a mirror, looking at what a fine, fine, outstanding creature that is. And going your way, the image is gone. There's nothing there. It's only there while you're looking in the mirror. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You can look at yourself in the mirror all you want to and convince yourself what a fine, outstanding person you are. What do you look like? in God's image, looking into the perfect law of liberty, looking at God's appraisal. You see, I'm simply saying today, folks, there is too much of Christianity in this world that knows the Bible, that knows all of its stories, that knows all of these principles, but are doing absolutely nothing with it. Imagine for a moment, imagine you were working for a company whose president, CEO, whatever, found it necessary to leave. And he's going to have to to travel out of the country and he's going to have to be gone for quite some time. So he calls all the employees together and he says, look, I've got to leave. Now I'm going to be gone for a while. But while I'm gone, you need to pay close attention to the business at hand. You need to manage things while I'm away. Now, I'll write to you regularly. But when I do, I'll I'll instruct you in what you need to do. But right now, I'm going away. And I will return someday. Everybody agrees. Okay, fine. He's got to go. He's going to come back. But he's trusting us to do the work while he's gone. (laughs) He leaves. He's gone for a while. During that time, he, he, he writes often and he communicates his desires and his concerns. Finally, one day he returns. <laughs> he walks up to the door of the company and <laughs> immediately, he says, whoa, what a mess. <laughs> Nobody's been pulling the weeds. The weeds are taken over. The, the windows are dirty. The glass is broken in them. <laughs> Receptionist at the front desk, she <laughs> looks like she's half asleep, just dozing there and mind on something else. I hear this loud music roaring from a bunch of the offices. Two or three people are out just horseplaying and goofing off. <laughs> Instead of making a profit, the business is suffering some significant losses. <laughs> He calls everybody together and, and, and he asks, he says, well, what happened? Did, didn't, you, uh, didn't you get my letters? <laughs> didn't you get my instructions? I, I, I explained to you clearly everything that you needed to do. All you had to do was just carry out the instructions that I left for you. Well, well sure. <laughs> we got all your letters. We even bound them up in fine paper and leather covers and, and everything to, to take good care of them and, and to present them all nicely. Why, we even memorized some of those letters. They meant so much to us. We had studies when we all got together and we, we talked about all these things that you'd written to us and what you meant, and it was, it was good for us. But I think the president might ask the question, but... <laughs> What did you do with them? (laughs) You got them, you bound them all up, you memorized them, you talked about them, but what did you do with them? What about the instructions that were there for you to follow? I'm afraid that that's exactly how it's going to be when Christ returns one day. Dr. B.J. Miller once said, it is a great deal easier to do that which God gives us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibilities of not doing it. Does missions really matter? No. Not if disobedience to Christ, which includes our love for Him, Carrying out the work that He's left us to do. If that doesn't matter to you, then no. Missions really don't matter. You see, the words of Christ concerning missions, they're they're not vague. They're they're not hard to understand. You don't have to work out what they mean in three or four different languages. In fact, they are so very clear and concise that you have to either want to misunderstand or ignore what they say. We sang the song earlier, do we really mean it? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus said, I've got all the power You're going in my name. Go. Make sure that every creature knows what I've done for them. Do missions really matter? Only if you love Christ. (laughs) Only if it matters to you at all, whether you're walking in obedience or not. And I'm not trying to be mean this morning But I wish, I could promise you this. If there was anything that I could say, if there was anything that I could do, that it would grab you and shake you and say, look, this is what Jesus said. This is his instructions to us. Does it matter? Everything that we do for the winning of souls to Christ, does it matter? Well, may I say, do you love him? Does it matter to you whether you do what he says or whether you don't? Does missions really matter? May I say no, they don't. Not if denial of the gospel matters not to you, (laughs) not if denying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Preacher, what do you mean? Go into all the world and, and do what? Preach the gospel. Preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I read all of those verses there earlier because often many times we read these verses in verses 15 and 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature but we fail to remember the setting in which he's giving those words. What did it say up there in verse nine? Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Now, when Jesus was risen, when his work of the gospel was completed, You see, the gospel, that which is the only thing that a person trusting in can save their souls is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. When Jesus had finished his part, what does it say in verse 11? And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. What does it say in verse 13? and they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. They didn't believe it. Verse 14, Jesus is actually, it says, he appeared unto the 11, of course Judas is gone now, as they set at meat and upbraided them. What does it mean? He upbraided them. He, he rebuked them. <laughs> he flat got on their case. You see, They were struggling with unbelief and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ had actually risen from the grave. These were the 11 that walked the closest to him and yet they had their doubts. Now we know that all changed but I want you to realize (laughs) that Jesus gave them this in the light they were struggling with unbelief they were not believing the resurrection they were in fact denying the gospel they knew that he had died that he was buried but the gospel doesn't stop there (laughs) he had rose from the grave but they were denying that part (laughs) They didn't believe that part was true. Jesus upbraided them. Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief. And he demanded that they not only put their faith and belief in what he's done, but then that they carry that gospel that he had died, that he was buried, that he had rose from the grave to every creature out there. We find that we saw back in Luke chapter 24, it was necessary for Jesus Christ to, to do all that he did for the salvation of souls. But verse 47, when he sends them, that repentance and remission of sins can be preached in his name is just as much a part of it. It's just as necessary that the gospel be proclaimed in its fullness in his name. Only then can people Respond through faith. Verse 48, he said, ye are witnesses of these things. Now, he was speaking to the 11 there. But may I say today... If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you're truly genuinely born again and just instead of playing some kind of a religious game, you are just as much a witness as they were to what Jesus Christ has done. We are his witnesses. We are the ones that are take the stand and say, yes. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. He did exactly what it says that he did. He did die on that cross. He was buried in that grave. He did raise the third day. I witness and testify to that personally. You see, hearsay information is never accepted in a court of law. <laughs> to be a witness, you have to have personally seen it or experienced it yourself Too many people are trying to give hearsay information about what Jesus Christ did, something they read about, maybe even somebody told them about, but they've never experienced it themselves. The ones that can take the stand (laughs) before this world and witness to Jesus Christ, to who he is, are those that have met him, those that know him. You see, (laughs) in Romans chapter one, the Apostle Paul, and beginning to write to this church at Rome. You're familiar with the passage there, I'm sure. Romans chapter 1, notice, picking up in verse 15, it says, And so as so much as in me is, Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, that's what Jesus told him to do. He says, ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I'm ready to do what Jesus told me to do here at Rome. Why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein there in the gospel being preached is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith That is it is written the just shall live by faith. There's only one way that you can know that life that you can live by faith and that's that the gospel be proclaimed to you. That's the only means of getting to that life. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's why I'm here to preach it, because I'm not ashamed of it. It is the power of God and the salvation. It's the only thing that'll give a soul hope. It's the only way that anyone can ever be saved. Also in Romans chapter 10, (laughs) that familiar passage that we use so often when we're leading someone to Christ, and we're trying to share with them. And he says there in verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. First thing you got to do is confess him. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, listen carefully, whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. <laughs> whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. Wow. Wow. So many times Why is that part not emphasized? You see, an individual that first of all, believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, believes that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again. They respond to that personally, their hearts with their mouths. <laughs> he says, they shall not be ashamed. They will not be ashamed of the same gospel that they have personally responded to, that they have personally put their faith and trust in. If you truly believe it, you can't be ashamed of it. Maybe the problem is if you're ashamed to proclaim it is that you've never really believed it yourself. You're still talking about something that you've heard about or that you've read about but you've never acted upon. How can you honestly believe it and not want to share it? You realize that Jesus and what he accomplished for us through love is the very essence of life. Without it, There simply is no life. Many of you may have heard the name C.T. Studd before. (laughs) C.T. Studd made this statement. Of course, he was a great businessman that gave up everything to go serve the Lord in missions. He said, I had known about Jesus dying for me, but I had never understood that. If he had died for me, then I didn't, Belong to myself. Can I read that again? I had known about Jesus dying for me, but I had never understood that if he had died for me, then I didn't belong to myself. Redemption means buying back so that if I belonged to him, either I had to be a thief and keep that which wasn't mine, or I had to be willing to give up, Everything for God. When I came to see that Jesus had died for me, it didn't seem hard to give up all to him. The same man said this, that if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You See, do missions really matter? Well, may I say that they only matter if you believe the gospel and if you are not ashamed of what Jesus Christ did and its power to save souls. Do missions matter? No. Not if damnation of souls matters not. You see, that's what he said in verse 15, but what did he say in verse 16? For he goes on to tell us there that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall what? Shall be damned. Not to believe is to face damnation, to face condemnation. Now, I am well aware that we live in a day when people don't like preaching about condemnation and damnation and having to actually give an account for sin in our lives. We live in a day when it's not a popular message to talk about a hereafter for anybody that's anything other than hunky-dory in heaven. (laughs) The truth is is that a soul that is not saved through the finished work of Jesus Christ will face condemnation. Now, we'll look at that. If we've looked at it before, <laughs> whole essence of heaven and hell, we understand very little about either one of them, I think, but we ought to understand enough about both to know where we want to spend eternity. <laughs> what we recognize here is that the Bible says that we are to go that we're to take them the gospel to every creature because if they don't believe, they will be damned. They will be condemned. Now, we carry on reading just where we were reading there in Romans chapter 10 because just after it talks about us not being ashamed, notice what he says picking up in verse 14, "'How then shall they call on him?' in whom they have not believed. How are they going to call on him if they don't even believe him? How are they going to believe in him whom they have not heard? How are they going to believe in somebody if nobody's ever told them that he exists? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear it unless somebody goes to tell them? How shall they preach except they be sent? We'll talk about that a bit more this evening, that sending part. But as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For as I saith, Lord, who hath believed our reports, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Does missions really matter? Well, I'm saying, do you care? really? Do you honestly care? You see, if you look back in the gospel of Matthew chapter nine, you'll find somebody that did care. (laughs) In Matthew chapter nine, the Bible tells us this in verse 35 and 36, it says, and Jesus went about all The cities and villages doing what? Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus was going around all the cities and villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Same thing he told us to go and do, preach the gospel. But when he saw the multitudes when he saw all those people, when he was going to all the cities and villages, it says he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus went from city to city and village to village proclaiming that gospel. Why? Because he cared. Because he had compassion upon them. Because he cared about their destiny and where they were going. It says in verse 37... Not only did he go preaching, not only did he have that compassion hurting on the inside, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Not only did Jesus go proclaiming it himself because he cared, but he's telling them, pray. Pray. Pray that there'll be more workers, more willing to go because the harvest is so plenteous. There's so much work that needs to be done. Pray that more laborers will get involved in doing the work of reaping the souls. Oh, I wish we had more time this morning. You're familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, here's this guy. He's wounded and half dead, the Bible says. And along comes this priest. And this priest, he sees him there. He sees him wounded, and the Bible says he just walks by on the other side. He gets to the other side. He sees him. And then along comes the Levite. That's another religious guy. These are the religious guys. These are the, the spiritual leaders in the, in the church. <laughs> the Levite comes. He, he actually did something more than the priest. It says he actually came and looked on him, saw him, and then <laughs> he got to the other side and went on. <laughs> and then along comes this old Samaritan. <laughs> He ain't even supposed to have anything to do with this guy. I mean, these guys are not in the right classes with each other. But he comes along and he sees him. And what does he do? He's on his way somewhere. He's got a schedule to meet. You know, so many times we're just so busy, we see people hurting. We see people that are wounded. We see people that need the gospel, but we don't have time. We've got somewhere we've got to be. We've got something we've got to do. This Samaritan was on his way, but he stopped and he used his time and he used his finances. He took him himself to where he could get help and he helped him and he bound up his wounds and he did all these things, but he still needed more help. So he left somebody else and he said, here, I'm going to leave you some money so that you can take care of him so that his needs can be met. And I'll come back and make sure there's anything else that's needed. Who did Jesus say in that story? Jesus is the one that told that story. And he asked him, who, who do you think was neighbor to this guy? Of course, it was the Samaritan. Do you know what Jesus' words to them were? Go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. Do like the Samaritan. You can have all your religion can have all your goody-goody stuff. You can have your positions in the church. You can do all these things. But if you don't have time, with your time and your schedule and your finances and whatever else, to help that's one that's wounded, then you've missed the boat. <laughs> Dr. Warren Wiersbe tells a story of a missions message, and I wish I had time to go through all of it, but <laughs> I don't. But he talked about this message that he had heard that it impacted him that he had never forgotten that a missionary had preached. And he said that the first his first point was that there was a command from above. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Command from above to go. But he said then there's the cry from beneath. He said, Remember the story of the rich man that died and woke up his eyes being in torment. And there in verse 27 and 28 of Luke 16, he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my Father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What should get us involved in missions? The command from above, the cry from beneath, from those that haven't heard? Then he said, there's another one. He said, that's the call from without. And he uses Acts chapter 16, verse 9, the Macedonian call that Paul received. Come over into Macedonia and help us. How many around the world today are saying, please, (laughs) come and help us. Come and help us. Command from above, from the Lord Jesus, A cry from beneath, from those that never had the opportunity of hearing or did not respond to it. A call from without, from those that have the need right now. But I would add one more to that that I believe would be in line with what we've just read. (laughs) That's compassion from within. (laughs) Actually caring. You see, I asked you this morning, do missions really matter? (laughs) Does this emphasis, is it important? Some think we're wasting our money and we're wasting our time. Sometimes, sometimes we can be so naive as to think that we're gonna just all get on and do it anyway. Some think missions conferences are a waste of time. Well, I can tell you this after visiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. No, all churches don't have missions conferences. And a lot of the members can't be bothered to attend when the churches that do have them, have them. But I have never, not one time. Now maybe, maybe you're more clever than me. Maybe you're more clever than all those others. Maybe you could do it, but I've never seen a church yet that didn't have a focus upon missions, upon their missionaries, that didn't bother having missionaries through and have missions conferences that did anything great for missions? <laughs> well, they might've been involved in doing something. Do missions really matter? <sniffs> only only if you actually care. <laughs> only if you care about those souls that have never yet believed? Only those that many of them have never even heard, because no one has yet shared the truth with them. Do missions really matter? Does it really make any difference? Well, certainly from what we've seen, it matters very much to Christ. (laughs) And it matters to a Christian that truly loves Christ and desires to obey Him, that's not ashamed of the gospel and its power to save, that truly cares about the souls of mankind. Listen to me. I'll look you straight in the eyes. Your friend, your family member, that person that you'll be sitting beside, working beside, living beside tomorrow, if they don't hear and respond to the gospel message, they have no hope. (laughs) They have no, zero hope. Don't tell me that you care. Don't tell me that you love God and yet you're not willing to obey Him. Don't tell me that you care about those souls and where they're going to spend eternity. Don't tell me that you're not ashamed of the gospel that saved you, (laughs) that you're not ashamed of your faith. Oh, I know the world wants to make you feel like you're some kind of an idiot. It certainly should matter. I give you this illustration in closing. A missionary told the story. He says she was lying on the ground. In her arms, she held a tiny baby girl. As I put a cooked sweet potato into her outstretched hand, I wondered if she would even live until morning. Her strength was almost gone. But her tired eyes acknowledged my gift. The sweet potato could help so little, but it was all I had. Taking a bite, she chewed it carefully. Then, placing her mouth over the baby's mouth, she forced the soft, warm food into the tiny throat. Although the mother was starving. She used the entire potato to keep her baby alive. Exhausted from her efforts, she dropped her head on the ground and closed her eyes. In a few minutes, the baby was asleep. I later learned that during the night, the mother's heart stopped, but her little girl lived. His point, love is a costly thing. You see, God... In his love for us, in his love for this lost world, he spared not his own son to tell the world of his love. Love is costly, but we must tell the world at any cost. Such love is costly. It costs parents. It costs sons and daughters. It costs the missionary life itself to those that will go. And his love for Christ, the one that's willing to go, that one that we often call those missionaries, must be willing to give up everything to make the Savior known. (laughs) You see, If you'll let your love for Christ cost you something, the great advance of the kingdom will be made together. Love is a costly thing. My question to you this morning is, do you love enough? (laughs) Missions, does it really matter? Well, I want to make it real personal for you this morning. (laughs) The question is, does it matter to you? (laughs) Oh, it matters to Christ. (laughs) It should matter to his church that he's left here to do his work. Does it matter? Well, you know, you can't answer for anybody else. And there's plenty of reasons that we can give no, it doesn't matter. But I'm asking you, does it matter to you? These are just a few of the reasons. You know, even in setting and trying to prepare the sermon and working on it yesterday, I, I don't have the words to express what I think God tries to express to us in His Word. Everything about Him, all of His love for us is about the salvation of our souls. And yet, we take so lightly not just our lives and what's important to us, but everything that's important to him, his whole purpose in coming, our whole purpose in being. Father, I know that without any shadow of a doubt, I've probably hardly scratched the surface of answering this question this morning. But Lord, I pray that in the time that we've had, that you would help us to answer the question this morning Does it really matter to me? The mission that you've given us here at home and around the world does it matter to me? Am I willing? Am I willing to go? Am I willing to give? Am I willing to truly do whatever you want me to do? Because there is no question. You have. You have commanded me. You have sent me as your ambassador. So I pray this morning, Lord, that you would take and speak to our hearts. Help us to grasp with great joy just how much you loved us, the sacrifice that you made for us. Help that love to bubble out of us. Help us to care like you care. Help us to love you enough, Lord, that we We'll obey your command. Help us, Lord, to be witnesses to you that we're not ashamed of the gospel, that we won't deny that gospel that will change lives. Help us today to recognize, to care enough, Lord, about the souls of mankind that we're willing to pay that cost of love, to be willing to pay whatever cost is necessary, that they can hear the gospel so that they're not damned for eternity. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.